Good morning. Welcome to I Don't Know What I Want to Do. I'm Sanjay Parker, and I interview people with real jobs in order to inform you, the listener, what kind of real jobs there are. Today, we're speaking with Adriana Withers. Adriana is the co-founder, owner, director, and CEO of VC Ultimate Inc. Hi, Adriana. Thanks so much for joining us. Hi, Sanjay. Thanks for having me. Let's start with what does VC do? Uh, What does VC Ultimate do? Sounds good. So VC Ultimate is a company that specializes in custom uniforms and apparel for athletic teams, events, individuals. Uh, We've been around since 1998, focusing mostly on Ultimate, but we also do work in disc golf, Quidditch, um, volleyball, cycling, any, any type of active athletic sport. Mm -hmm. Um, And for VC, what do you do specifically? Well, I lead our team. I'm very lucky to do so. We have a great group of individuals working for us. So uh, my focus would be on just overall strategy of the business, um, marketing, sales, strategy, and direction, uh, and my guilty pleasure of design. I can't draw a stick figure to save my life, but I have a real thing for color combinations and vibes. So I still do all of the creative direction for the company. Wow, that's awesome. Um, Okay, so let's start at the beginning. You co-founded VC while you're in uni back in uh, 1989, you said. Sorry, not 1989, sorry, 1998. Um, And I understand you studied uh, industrial relations while at school. Why, why this? Why Ultimate Apparel? Why did, why was this what you wanted to do? Why was this what you wanted to start? Sure. Well, it wasn't necessarily that I thought about it. Um, Going back to 1998, I got involved um, with the individual who had the idea for the brand uh, about a year later. And I had a background even at 19 years old in sales and small businesses. Um, I'd had some really great jobs selling skis and Australian boots and had worked at my godmother's consulting firm. So I'd learned a little bit of business administration and I just liked selling cool products to cool people. And so when this idea for an ultimate more streetwear company came Um, across my mind from this friend of mine, I was like, hey, this is really cool. And we started talking about it more and more. And then um, within a year of us throwing the logo onto visors and hoodies and T-shirts and that kind of stuff, people started asking us for custom uniforms. And that seemed to be something that was more of a fit for what the market needed. And uh, so we started doing odd jobs of gear. And then we um, turned out that we'd brought another business partner on at that point. And the two guys had a rowing coach from Hamilton who also had an apparel manufacturing facility. And so we really modeled our our business after um, what they offered to their customers at the beginning. So like why Ultimate? Um, Well, Ultimate's cool. People are cool. (laughs) Uh, the community is really special and, uh, fun. And so when you're a university student and you're supposed to be studying, or you could be working on this project with, um, this really cool community behind it, 
it was a kind of no brainer. Uh, but I had a little bit of that, that background to bring to the table too. So I think it's so huge that you were able to bring some experience at such a young age. You were then building this company while you were completing your, your undergraduate degree. What kind of things were you learning that were helpful in, in this process of building this company? Not a whole lot. Uh, mostly <laughs> I didn't complete my undergraduate degree. So I left after two years to go and I actually went to Australia and worked with the same people who I'd worked for in high school and learned a little bit more about branding and, and operations of small businesses. And then I came back to Montreal and my business partner was like, oh my gosh, it's been so busy. The U.S. colleges have found out about us and they're starting to call us for uniforms. This is 2000, 2001. And so I decided not to go back to school actually. And regrettably in some ways, had I taken those accounting courses or some of the business admin courses, I would have gotten the business to a place um, where it needed to be much faster. But industrial relations in Quebec was very heavily labor oriented. Um, so there, were, there was a semester where I had labor law, sociology of the labor force, labor force economics, like everything for much bigger companies than I would ever personally be interested in. And so it, it, my management classes were, were helpful, but in general, I didn't learn anything about business except for um, the businesses that I was lucky enough to be an employee in. Cool. And just so the listeners have a sense, how big is VC? How many employees are you running? Well, this is a, a weird year. Um, 10 to 15 on average, we can grow up to over 20 when we're at full steam and there's no pandemic. <laughs> um, we definitely have a lot of folks who have worked for us at events, um, on the event team. So there might be seven of us at a, a really big world championship at one time, plus everybody back at home. Um, but it's, uh, it's a, a real volatile time, so to speak, in terms of growing and and knowing exactly what the next few years of sport will look like and, and how big we'll get back to. So we're trying to be conservative, but there's always a solid 10 of us-ish. I should count. Cool. Okay, well, speaking of COVID, um, I'm sure you've dealt with a lot of really unexpected things, you know, running this company for the past, what, 23 years. Um, can you speak to something that maybe you had to do that you just never thought you'd have to and, and what kind of lessons you learned from that? Yeah, I think closing the office was a big deal. Um, we had to close the office last, what was it, March 16th or 22 or something of the sort. And um, we had just finished a huge, huge fundraiser for the Premier Ultimate League. And so we had thousands of units in production and that needed to get individually packed and sent out. Huge, huge project. <laughs> And um, all of a sudden, everything stopped. Factory stopped, printer stopped. Um, the office had to clear out. And I think we were closed for four weeks or so fully. And then, um, then the province let manufacturers come back. Um, so we would do it one at a time. But it's just a, a really weird thing to have happen. Just stop everything. And um, it was... Like it just, I never, I never actually thought that that would happen. Like in 20 odd years, obviously there's been huge cash crunches over the years and times and, and vicissitudes in how the business has operated, but I never actually thought we'd have to close our doors. So, 
Um, that was a COVID special. <laughs> <laughs> Tons of fastballs this, this past year. Um, I also understand that VCs being a part of things like mergers and acquisitions and stuff like that. Now to someone who's never been in any of those, that sounds quite terrifying. Are they as, as scary as they sound? They are. Um, I would say I, I got a piece of advice from my godfather before we really officially even started VC as a corporation. We were just a partnership at the beginning. And when I asked him about incorporating, he said, are you ready to marry your business partners? Because breaking up will be like a divorce. And I, I, I knew then that I probably shouldn't have gotten married. Uh, <laughs> and the same came up with um, a merger. Like if you're, if you're struggling to get to the same place before you sign the papers, there's a good chance that you'll struggle afterwards. It doesn't mean that either party's wrong, but it means when you don't see things the same way or you don't have the same value um, or like strategic values in terms of how you want to run the business, uh, it can be really difficult to bring two different like organizations together. Uh, I think it can work really well. We've had one that I think has been a great success and then one that uh, we dissolved essentially. And um, I could have called it before they started, but there was, um, there were signs for sure. So I think the, the thing is, especially as a salesperson and a community builder, um, when you want something to happen, you sell yourself on it. And so you overlook those, uh, is this the best idea or is this, is this, have we thought through this? Is this going to work? Uh, like when they tell you, you really need to look at the small print and these things, you really need to, because it will come back and then bite you in the bum. So it's, you got to pay attention to, to those little small things. And I, I had, I knowing now what I wish I'd known then, however the saying goes, I definitely would have relied more heavily on people who had more experience than just me wanting to make it happen. Mm -hmm. I would have brought business consultants who helped me dissolve situations to help me create more, um, like set us up for success better from the outset. But it's, it's a cool way to get into a new market. It can be a great way to meet new people. And um, I don't think it by any means is all scary or bad. And I think it can be very successful, but there's a reason why most of these um, situations don't actually work out long-term. Mm. Uh, what might start as a merger definitely becomes a, not definitely, but more often becomes a takeover. And if you like say VC got bought out and I went to go work for the company who bought us, how long would I actually last in that new environment? And so those things I think uh, have taught some valuable lessons. Mm -hmm. um, you also spoke earlier about um, how, you know, running a company, you, you go through tough times financially. And uh, I understand that you used to have uh, apartment parties to pay your rent. Um, now, this is a podcast that uh, is trying to educate people about, you know, career paths and jobs. Was this something that you actually did? And do you actually like earn money from this? How does that how did that happen? Well, when we started the like started getting more serious about the business in Montreal, uh, we decided that we needed an office. And I don't know who it was that found an office, but we found this awesome loft right on Saint Laurent above our favorite bar. And yeah, we throw parties to make money for rent. And it was really fun. Um, again, knowing now what I didn't know then, it's a horrible idea, but it's also a different environment in the early 2000s than it is right now. But um, I am extremely fond of insurance. <laughs> so 
Um, I, I don't know that I would like go about any of the things that we did for the first five to 10 years of the business in the same way, but it was fun. Yeah. It's like, and you're, you're young and you're partying and you're, and you build friendships and community in that way. On the flip side, I also think that it's really important in terms of running a business like ours that's focused on inclusivity parties aren't for everybody you know i think like who was left out of that um scene and who didn't make the same friendships that those of us who did party or who didn't have that opportunity because um people don't not everyone wants to drink not everyone wants to socialize in those ways not everyone can drink for medical reasons or um just their own religious reasons or whatever it happens to be. So no, I don't think now that throwing parties is the best way to start a business. Okay. Lesson for everybody. Um, now you guys know, um, we're going to do a segment I like to call the regular routine wheel. So I'm just going to spin this real, real quick. And it's landed on uh, stopping work. So I understand that you're really big on making sure that you have a healthy work-life balance. Can you talk about any any routines or any strategies you have you have to make sure that you stop work at a certain time or make sure your employees stop working at a certain time? Sure. I think my my team members are are pretty good at it. Most of them are know that I will, if I see them sending emails at six o'clock, I'm like, why are you working? Or, but at the same time, I don't keep tabs on them during the day. So if they want to work at night because they took some time off during the day to do life, that's fine by me. Yeah. Um, and personally, it took me a long time. I don't think I had a work-life balance until about two years ago. And I know I didn't have one. I was definitely on the verge of burnout and I had to really decide what was most important to me and ways I've checked that in are um, healthy communication with my partner about what each of our work life and family life looks like. I got a dog. Um, Dogs are awesome because they force you to like Stevie's up at 615. So figure it out. Um, yeah. wants to go on a walk, on a walk by five fifteen. So figure it out. So it's, uh, yeah, I think having like, if you don't have a partner, you're not living with your family, then it's, um, it can be tough, especially I, I hear during this pandemic time because people are at home so much. So it's just easy to keep working and keep working, but you have to really um, set yourself up for success. So like for us, it's the, um, almost every day we have three meals together sitting at a table to chat and talk and, and we check in. It's like, Oh, you're going to go back to work. Is there anything you have to do? What are you going to do? And, and nine times out of 10, um, in my old life, I'd see seven o'clock or eight o'clock on the clock. And I'd be like, Oh, sweet. I still have three to six more hours to work. And in my new life, I'm like, like, are we going to read or do you want to watch something or whatever it happens to be? Um, so I don't, I don't know what the, the, tools necessarily are except to be very intentional about it not get stuck in the trap of of just completely going because you do you lose productivity you lose focus you lose your connection to the outside world um outside of work i don't mean uh, necessarily outside inside (laughs) how did you realize that you were getting burned out because i I think that so many people don't figure it out until almost like it's too late and they have you know, some sort of breakdown. What was the trigger for you to realize that this was just too much for you to handle? Uh, a lot of it was um, the end of one relationship and starting a new one. And 
so that clean break allowed me to really focus on like what didn't go well or what wasn't working or serving me in relationships um and putting work above everything else is not a good way to 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 go um i don't think the very few jobs that can be that fulfilling that that's worth it um yeah and then just like physically how well are you sleeping for example like how well um are you paying attention to your physical fitness and activity levels and are you seeing your friends or like little little tidbits like if you're a reader and you love reading are you actually reading um and i don't think i'd read a book and i'd maybe read one or two books in five years or six years before this new me which reads a book a month at least nice. but it's uh, yeah, I think you just have to know yourself and hopefully have somebody around you that either inspires you to live in a different way or um, or check yourself to to be healthier. Okay, cool. So let's let's bring it back to VC because um, VC is such an interesting company. You guys are so uh, innovative. You guys focus on really having a diverse team with environmentally sustainable products. Uh, you're currently working on uh, the Respect My Pronouns design line as well as a non-binary clothing line. Now, doing all this, um, I'm going to say ethically smart decisions, it's more expensive and it is more work. Do you find that the customers are respecting um, the effort that you're putting in, the decisions you're making? I think we speak to an echo chamber at times um, and that the customers we have trust us and are loyal to us and and understand where we're coming from and respect that. I also think that puts a ceiling on our growth because we're not just focused on the the sexy flashiness of sport, the performance competitive and um, all of those such things. So it's a tricky one because I, I wouldn't have it any other way, but one thing we're doing is instead of trying to, capture the entire ultimate market, for example, we're trying to find more like-minded teams and athletes and organizations, regardless of sport. So people, uh, for years, we, we didn't want to go outside of ultimate. I personally didn't want to go outside of ultimate. And I thought this is the greatest market ever. I love these people. I love this community. I just want to be the best and biggest in this community. And then I just think you realize you can't be, you can't be everybody's first choice. Other people have different priorities and that's totally cool. Um, so why not then find like-minded community members in Quidditch is a great example. Um, there is a whole other wave of sport that is non-traditional in the sense that people are still looking to express themselves through really cool designs and, uh, willing to invest in awesome uniforms Um, and I think that that's the the focus of the company now more than, um, trying to, trying to fit into everybody's idea of what their best apparel partner is. Okay. Um, VC is involved with a bunch of also very innovative and equitable companies and organizations like just to name a couple without limits, time for the ultimate talk, live ultimate, drive and uplift, the equity and development sponsorship program and others that I either can't mention or couldn't find. Um, I'm going to ask you to just uh, to highlight one and kind of describe what they do and, and why VCs partnered with them. Sure. So time for the ultimate talk is a great one because it's quite active still. Uh, not 
as opposed to Without Limits, who is my favorite of all times. Without Limits is a, a organization that creates playing opportunities for women, uh, mostly in the States. Um, but because of COVID, there's no events. Time for the Ultimate Talk is an organization that's focusing on mental health um, and inclusion in our sport. And that is something that is so stigmatized. Um, I think for athletes, not especially, but as well as many other groups of individuals, mental health is still seen as a, a problem or a weakness. Um, and it's just so uh, unfair that the stigma is so strong that it would exclude individuals from participating in sport. And given that sport has such amazing potential for health, um, both physical and mental uh, growth in individuals. Okay, time for the ultimate talk. We'll have a link for that in the show notes. Um, and to top it all off, uh, Adriana, VC donates 50% of your revenue back to other organizations. If, if we're talking about how um, being so equitable, equitable and sustainable, you know, kind of is capping your, your bottom line, how are you finding space for that? And, and why are you doing this? Well, it's funny because when COVID hit and we were starting to think about what we wanted to do for different like Pride um, or Black Friday or whatever it is, I kind of decided to double down. And I have this saying, it's not it's not about how you act and what you do when things are good, but when things are tough. So you have to live your values every day and only by living your values when you're at rock, not rock, not that we were at rock bottom, but when you're at um, in a hard period. In the middle of a global pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where there's no sport allowed. Um, that's when and how you're going to get through things. So we, like we've, um, we've just felt that you have to give back to um, the community. So whether that's revenue shares on a line of gear produced by Time for the Ultimate Talk, for example, or when we launched our um, pronouns line that you mentioned about respecting my pronouns, and we decided, well, it was not even a it was not even a consideration. Of course, we were going to give a percentage of revenue to support an organization who's actually out there doing the hard work. Wow, that's it's it's so cool to hear. Um how you're making these decisions as you, as you're going through it, you know, the path that you've gone down, you know, starting a company when you're 19 and just uh, selling products that you're passionate about and making decisions that you're passionate about to a lot of people. That's the dream. Um, what is a mistake that you made once that was good? What's the biggest mistake you made that ended up being really worth it? You have to say yes to things to try them. So, um, oh, you know what? We went um, overseas for manufacturing. So, for example, we decided that we were growing fast. We needed more stock. We couldn't keep stuff in inventory. And so we were like, all right, let's do it. Let's put in China orders, um, which meant that instead of ordering 12 to 100 to 250 units at a time, we were ordering three to four or 5,000. And um, it just from batch to batch, the quality wasn't there. Um, the material would change. The fit would be a tiny bit different. Like we just didn't know enough about overseas manufacturing to make it work and inventory management and all the rest. So that taught us that our local manufacturing that we'd worked on for 12 years up to that point, no, it was probably 10 years up to that point was the solution for us. Um, but hadn't we known that, then we never would have 
really started to invest in how we did things locally. Um, so I think growing, like growing in certain ways or trying new things is a, is sometimes a way to solidify that what you're doing is the right way, or you might pull, um, point A, B and C from the failed venture, apply it to your next option or your previous option and, and end up in a much better place. So if, if you're not trying new things, you don't know what you don't know, I think is the big thing. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, we are closing out on time for this segment. So we're going to do um, a different part that I like to call overrated versus underrated. It's a quick fire segment. So I'm just going to throw some ideas or terms at you and you let me know if you think that they're generally overrated or underrated. Okay. Sure. Okay. So the first one, the first one is beach ultimate. Something you brought up earlier. I would say underrated, but I think anyone who plays it understands how awesome it is. So So underrated by the general public. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Um, What about working from home? Overrated, underrated? Underrated because you just save the commute time. There's environmental impacts there. You can use the time to commute to go for a walk instead. I don't know, it's just life, the flexibility of life is amazing. And if you're embracing things like looking at people through screens, you can still feel connected to them even though you're not in the same same room. Mm-hmm. Um, what about spike ball? Oh, um, I'd, I'd, I'd almost want to pass that because I really respect Chris and spike ball, the company he's built, but I would say overrated. And, and how, why is that? Um, I just, it's fun and all, but I'm, I don't get the obsession. It's yeah. maybe it's too hard and I'm not very good. So, <laughs> um, okay. What about cats? Not the musical, the animal. Uh, both probably underrated. If you haven't really? had a cat, you don't know. But once you've had a cat that's gotten really old and started like throwing up and peeing everywhere, then they're extremely overrated. Right. But for the first, what, 10 years, they're underrated? Even for the first 15 years, they're just fantastic friends. Okay, cool. And last one is uh, something I know you hold close to your heart, uh, mountain biking. Severely underrated. Mountain biking is the best. Why do you think everyone underrates it? Uh, It's scary. (laughs) I think people have to get over their fear and give it a go. Everywhere you go, there'll be different options, different trail options. You can always find yourself a way to get through the course or down the hill or through the reserve area, nature area, uh, safely. So I think it's underrated because it's so fun for everybody. If you like riding a bike, you'd love mountain biking. Um, okay. So at this point in the podcast, we usually ask what kind of people should work in your industry, but you kind of represent several different industries. You represent obviously ultimate Frisbee, you represent apparel design, you represent startups. So you can kind of speak to any or all of those. Um, it's funny because I think every type of person can be an asset to every type of industry for, um, our company, there's people who need to be really community minded and people and want to make connections and reach out to people and, and be social. But there's also the people who just need to get the work done. Cause there's, there's always 
somebody with their head down focusing on this on the the minutiae and the details and the really important structure stuff that allows the other people to be more outgoing and out there so i have a lot of energy and i like making connections with people but um, it's important that i have reliable people on my team that can implement my ideas for example um so what i don't know i don't think i think you're shutting the door if you ever think that you won't belong in an industry or a job i think uh for entrepreneurship there are look if you don't want to sell something you could do all the development of the product you just have to then find someone who wants to sell it because or market it or get it out to the world because every business has these core functions that really matter and if you have a weakness in any one of those core functions you'll have a a slow growth or a, a seriously, um, a seriously hampered effort. Hmm. Cool. Okay. And the last question I have for you, Adriana, is um, who else do you think we should talk to? So this podcast is, as I mentioned, aiming to educate people about, you know, jobs and career paths. So what's a job that you either would like to hear about um, or you think is really cool that just not enough people know about? I think one of the, He's another ultimate person, so it might be too close, but somebody who I think is such a go-getter and always up to something random and figures it out on whatever scale is Jake, the owner of Layout Gloves. Um, He is very smart and very just out for getting everything and anything. Um, The founders of Elevate Ultimate are fantastic folks, Danny and Ari. They're going down a franchise model for their uh, camps and um, school programming for the sport, uh, which is very cool. I'm assuming like if you ask them, where will they be in five years? Their answer is going to be huge. Um, Adriana, thanks so much for coming on, answering my questions, informing us about, you know, what you do. Uh, Where can the listeners find you and get in touch? Well, thanks for having me. Always fun to chat about these things. You can find me, um, behind the handles of VC Ultimate on socials, so at VC Ultimate. Um, except I'm not behind the handle of the TikTok thing because I don't understand it. That's somebody else <laughs> on the team. The TikTok content uh, content is also great, so that will also be linked. Um, if you want to meet my puppy? Go look at TikTok. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, listener, thanks so much for listening. Uh, if you want to get in touch, text me at 647-400-3212 with any comments, ideas, or suggestions. Next week, we're going to talk to someone about something else. But until then, thank you and get home safe. Mm-hmm.